and gentlemen, it is so good to be back in the car for another rabble-rousing episode of Carl Pulling. We took a little break last week to talk Story Circle, but we are back to finish Creation tonight. Well, we're back to do part two of Creation tonight. That's true. Creation, brother, is a large topic that's about the beginning of things. Hello, they call me Creation, brother. Creation? Did I call you Creation, brother? I don't even remember doing that. You needed a comma. You said Creation... And you, uh, you oh, I went cre- too fast. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I didn't. I didn't give the Typical proper pause. problem of yours going a little bit too fast. What are you uh, talking about? And, and we're. G- <laughs> I've never gone too fast in my life. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, stop talking about that immediately before we get an iTunes explicit rating. Right. We and should tell the people what this show is. Like that thing. Remember we talked about we yes, would do that one time. Yes. Yes. Because people are like, oh, this seems like a cool show. I'll just pick this up, and then they hear two rowdy boys going. <laughs> And was like, God, <laughs> do I have to keep posting this with you? Yeah, I'm, you do. Seriously, I'm like in my free time, I'm doing some coding and I'm making a hunter AI <laughs> that can only, it's only ha- does two functions. It drives, uh, hopefully better than the self-driving Ubers that run over people that are driven by convicts. We're it's really it. complicated. It's and really hard. The second function is it's all of the intelligent parts out of you and none of the parts that make you sound like you're at a casting call for the Goofy movie. The, or whatever that noise was you just made. Oh, yeah. Ca- Sorry. my joke again. How about Sorry. it? Sorry. <laughs> uh, just going to ruin that and the other part of audio. Guys, this is a sometimes weekly, typically weekly. We're working on getting back on schedule. Yep. Really busy for the next couple of weeks. They are. Um, but this is a typically weekly podcast. It's recorded live in a moving 2010, 2010 Honda, Honda Civic. Civic. And it's a conversation about religion, politics, science, uh, philosophy, philosophy, psychology. All of the things that... that brothers are experts in. Exactly. And that can elucidate the truth that exists in the world. And we're glad to have you with us. We're glad that you're joining us. We have a segment on the show. It's called Roadkill. It's when, typically, the left does something so ignorant that we don't even need to... to Deal you know, with it. We don't need to combat it. We just want to lampoon it. Yeah. And uh, we're a couple weeks late on this one, but it's worth bringing back up. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, the lovely... I like how Steven Crowder says it. He calls her Alexandria Ocasio Nina Pinto Santa Maria Cortez. That, that is <laughs> That sounds like him. That's chunky. It's a few uh, steps too far, <laughs> which is also like him. Um, anyhow. Yeah. He... Uh, she, rather, I'm sorry, I assumed her gender. Okay, um, no problem. Z's gender. Yes. Ooh. She, she proposed this new Green Deal, posted an FAQ that was apparently a draft that, like, no, it wasn't because then there was never an actual version published. Right. Eventually, they got around to drafting the legislation. I have actually read the legislation in its entirety. It effectively reinforces everything that was in the FAQ. Uh, Mitch McConnell brought it to a vote at the Senate floor. Which is some high level... I mean, like, the only thing that Mitch McConnell is probably happy about the Trump presidency is that he... This has given him a great time to get re-educated high-level trollery. Yeah, super... And and so, the great news is it got literally zero votes. Literally zero. I think there was 53 votes no from the Republican members and then 47 votes present it's by correct. the Democratic members. Even, and, and the, even the Democratic senators that 
like co-sponsored it, and yeah. helped write the bill were like, nope, because you got it. That's Kamala Harris. That's Booker Wa- Booker Booker Washington. I, I keep doing Booker that. D. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Spartacus, you mean? Yeah, Booker. Cory Booker. Cory Booker. Somehow I think his first name. I don't know what I do with him, but Mr. Cory Booker. All these people came on and said, yes, this is extremely important. We support this. And then would not back that up with a vote. Uh, because, okay, and here's what they're... They said that voting voting present was a tactic because it was, it was illegitimate for Mitch McConnell to bring it to a vote without having a hearing. Okay, let's see how fast that breaks down. If you want to have a hearing on it, that maybe get one vote for the positive, maybe one. Right. If you all are too chicken butt to uh, to vote yes and have to face your constituents in the face of a bill that's going to eliminate cow flatulence as well as air travel, mm. if you're all too chicken crap for that, but at the same time maintain that it's the most important piece of legislation since, you know, effectively the Civil Rights Act, uh, I don't believe you. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe you. They- calling the bill our World War II yeah, for this generation. This generation's World War II. Yeah. Oh my well, god. Well done, guys. Uh, yeah, nice Super one. Super cool. Uh, for everyone that hates Trump, listen. Listen up. Uh, here's a how to defeat Trump strategy for 2020. You ready? Very simple. Try not to trip over your own floppy, retarded shoes trying to run to the left. Uh, if you run someone moderate, uh, and I know what you're thinking. What about Joe Biden? Okay, someone who's moderate that hasn't like gotten in trouble for fondling kids. Isn't it so much fun to watch them eat uh, their own? Yes. Oh, at any rate, at, at any rate, run someone moderate like Schultz. Run someone like Schultz. I like the you'll Schultz win. guy. If Schultz, in my opinion, if Schultz was running in the DNC, if they would give him the nomination, he would crush Trump. I think he would. I, um, I, I, and just, I would be fine I, with it, actually. Just out of curiosity, have you paid any attention to Andrew Wank? Uh, very little. I, I find him to be a single-issue person, which is yes. UBI, uh, or Freedom Dividend. He's called it both things. Yeah. Um, universal Basic Income. I will say this. I was kind of curious about Universal Basic Income. And now that Andrew Wang has kind of brought it into like a more popular context, I am very convinced it's not a good idea. It's all, it is, it, it is textbook socialism. I'm okay with what it's trying to achieve, given if that kind of economy exists, but the way it's going about it like doesn't make sense. And I don't want to go too far down this, but basically yeah. it's like everybody in the United States would get a thousand dollars a month for nothing. Which is, uh, and basically the re- the thought behind that is, you're going to lose your job as a trucker, you're going to lose your job as a factory worker because of automation, and you'll get this universal basic income. But everyone gets it, even the rich people. Let me tell you a better way to do that. Decrease taxes. There you go. Sure. Um, that That's one way. But, but, but that's they, the correct way to do it. Right. But, but the other part of it is, like, it doesn't make any... The idea, well, the only reason that's that doesn't fit the idea a little bit is because like if you lose your job, you don't pay any taxes because you have no income. So reducing taxes actually doesn't fix the problem. For but you. the problem is is that there's so and we, we 
uh, this isn't going to be a show about economics. No, no. There's so much waste involved with garnering more taxes yes, to no. fund a program to I, then repay people. I agree. It's, it's ignorant. I agree, but it's it's ignorant and wasteful, and all that it does. Right, but is, yes, it, it doesn't change the value of a dollar because if everybody gets a thousand dollars extra every mm-hmm. month, mm-hmm. prices go up commiserately. It's yes. not going to help people's purchasing power. Yes, and the, the flip side is that you are creating waste and additionally enlarging the size of the government and the power of the government simultaneously. I, We're fostering government dependence unnecessarily. I agree with you. I, I, I'm not I agree with what you're saying, obviously. Yeah. What I don't what I don't know is that like if you took if you here I don't think you solve the problem of people are gonna lose their jobs because automation is gonna allow yeah. a few people to own here I, I don't. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either. But I'm that, saying that's like, like Tucker Carlson, right wing populism, and I don't. Buy I it. don't believe it either. But what I'm trying to say is, if you wanted a program to solve that problem, reducing taxes doesn't solve that problem. If you believe, you have to. You have to believe that that's an issue. Here, yeah. And here's my simple proof. Yep. Um, and then let's get on with the topic of the show. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I still haven't said my point yet about it. Oh, but, so yeah. you, say your point. But what I was trying to say, like, before we kind of went down there is, like, I don't think $1,000 a month is actually going to make a difference in every, in anybody's life that's meaningful. And so, like, if, once I kind of knew, once I kind of, like, sat and thought through that and was like, oh, my goodness, $12,000 a year is I'm still homeless and maybe I have some food. And but, prices go up on everything. Right. It's like I, th- I find it I find it more ridiculous now the, the value of that the he's dollar brought is into not, a public conversation. The value of the dollar is not tied to any numbers. It's tied to scarcity, period. Right. Until, exactly. until we eliminate scarcity, increasing the amount of money in the system is called inflation. Thank you very much. Correct. The, the, my simple proof that you shouldn't be afraid of automation, we have more automation right now in the marketplace than we've ever had before, and we also have record low unemployment. Thank you. That's, yes. Let's move on. Yeah. So going, going so, to, into today's topic, let's get back to the Illuminash. Right. So and Genesis. L- maybe we can do... I think what we basically did last time was talk through a lot of like some of the creation stuff, like not not a lot, but like how the universe was made and some some of know, the some of the science some of the science around there, some of the things that got you kicked out of uh, college classes. But but where we kind of left off was like in the Illumination. Some of the things I did with my clothes on that got me kicked out of college classes. Fair to enough. Be clear. Fair enough. So let me kind of just go real fast through the story high level just to get you guys back please do uh abzu and tiamat god of order god of chaos are locked in a uh, sexual embrace at the beginning of time yes from them come all the gods uh god of war god of hate god of love like all the different gods that come out of there yeah mother earth actually originates here Uh, the reason that earth is typified as female as she was she was female in that story god of the sea etc all these gods all these gods that that get rebranded over time in different mythologies yep and so they live on top of abzu Abzu. and tiamat goes away uh these gods are warring with each other and eventually take revenge on their father and kill him uh, for seemingly no purpose except they hate him so abzu's dead tiamat comes back finds abzu dead and creates an army of demons to kill all the gods. That's right. And so now the gods are trying to, one by one it seems, go forth and fight Tiamat to save themselves from her wrath. And they are dying left and right. The losses are catastrophic. 
among the the gods. Right now, I, it's also worth mentioning that the lead demon is named Kangu. Yep, uh, and he's important to the story. Yep. So I think that gets us to where we got. Yeah. So basically, we we just started to like. I think all we did was mention his name, but Marduk emerges at this point. Right. So the gods are are convening in their pantheon, giving a situation report, and they're all standing around. Well, it looks bad. <laughs> okay, you just clipped so loud that I literally can't think. I'm um, sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. Let me come back to Earth and back. check. We're in the Pantheon. So the gods are together in the Pantheon. They're standing around. They're like, look, we're dying left and right. This army of demons is, you know, incalculably strong. Kangu, their leader, is bloodthirsty and fierce. And Tiamat is an elder god, a, a primordial being. We have no chance. Step to the fore, one god in particular... Marduk. Marduk was a very important special god. He had basically two powers. He had, or or, or traits, powers, abilities. Mm -hmm. First thing he had was eyes all the way around his head. Uh, And that means that he could see in all directions. Sight is incredibly important. And and we're going to talk more about why, but sight is not just the images that you see when your eyes are open. Suffice to say that the visual cortex of the brain is not the only place where the patterns captured from the eyes are transmitted. They're transmitted to the motor cortex. They're transmitted to the speech cortex. They're transmitted all throughout your brain. Sight is far, far more than, um, than simply the visual cortex. Simple proof and, and amazing scientific discovery patients that have had damage to their visual cortex so they're not mechanically blind in that there's a problem in their in their um ocular receptors yeah that they simply have damaged that portion of the brain so that they cannot see the image that they are looking at with repeatable observable moderate certainty they can tell whether or not another person in front of them is smiling or frowning let i mean let that blow your mind Pretty cool. That, that, that study has been repeated many, many times. And the reason is because their brain is still capturing those patterns and, and displaying those patterns to other centers in the brain, mm. not just the visual cortex. Mm-hmm. Amazing finding, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay, so sight's very important. Marduk is a god who can see from all directions, right? And a, a good way to think about that is he's paying attention, right? Right. He's observing and calculating. That's the first one. The second one is that Marduk was an enchanter. He had the ability to speak magic words. And when he would speak magic words, magic things would happen. So, sight, speech. Incredibly important. Mm -hmm. He steps to the forefront of the group of gods in the Pantheon. He said, if you make me the chief among you, if you make me the god, then I will defeat Tiamat and Kangu and the horde of demons. And the other gods, who were all a little scaredy, said, yeah, man, if you think you can do it, go for it. Right, and he's not the first person to necessarily, well, he's not the first person to try this out. And so, like, you know, they're like, well, sure, we don't have much hope anyway. Go out there and see what you can do. And and it's also important at this part to realize that um, 
you're right, that other gods had been attempting this, other gods had been fighting against uh, Tiamat and Kengu, but like we were saying last week, the thing that was going on in ancient Mesopotamia at the time was these tribes were coming together instead of warring, and they were combining gods and adding gods to their repertoire. repertoire. Right. There's a contest among them in a, like, a, a, a philosophical struggle. Right, and just like we talked about in the What is Truth episode with 2nd Lieutenant Ben Polk, mm -hmm. things, as you gain more examples of a certain type of being, you mm -hmm. start to extrapolate what the ultimate archetypal form of that being is. Mm -hmm. And so as that process is going on literally in ancient Mesopotamia, as, you know, the tribe of this god and the tribe of that god uh, start to cohabitate, now you have that happening in the story as well. Right, where that's being Mar codified in there. Right, where Marduk is not just one of the gods that got lucky. He is, he is an extrapolation of that which is God. Right. And so he, he makes this agreement with the Pantheon and he goes to do battle with the forces of Tiamat. Yep. Um, and he is successful. So first he combats a horde of demons, slays many of them, and he faces off with Kengu. And as he's fighting Kengu, ooh. Ooh. Interesting. Carl move. Close Call. That's a Carl Pulling Close Call from a Jeep over there. Guy just pulled out in front of us. It's ooh. kind of fun. He had no idea how had... far off he would sling my train of thought. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, he faces off with Kengu, and he defeats Kengu. And as Kengu's blood is pooling on the ground, approacheth Tiamat, you know, the elder being. And because he was able to utilize his... So, his this, is, this is a cool part of the story. Okay. Uh, Marduk actually uses a net in which he captures Tiamat. Right. And... Uh, that's super, super important. Right, it is. And so, and like, you might be thinking like, well, why does that matter? And it's like, well, it's like he actually encompasses what is chaos. Yes. Right? And so he kind of is like, no, I understand you, and now you're, now you're there in your proper place. So a net is made for control. Right, right? exactly. A net is made to take, take liberty away from something. Mm -hmm. it, and with that device, a device for control, a device of order, yep. he encompasses chaos. Right. Now, it's important what happens next because he doesn't eliminate it. He, de he defeats chaos, but he doesn't get rid of chaos. Yeah, he it, he it has a purpose. He assumes chaos, and I don't mean assume as in to make an assumption. I mean he he incorporates chaos. Correct. So he he takes Tiamat and he cuts her body into quarters. Yep. Um, and when he cuts her body into quarters, he then uses Tiamat chaos to create the world mm -hmm. the bottom quarters to create the land and the sea and the upper quarters to create the sky and the heavens and this is how the world is formed so this is this is like where creation starts right then something so brilliant happens he he goes to the slain body of kengu where the blood is pooling up and he takes the blood of kengu and he creates humanity out of the blood of kengu out of the blood of the evil one, out of the blood of that which deceives. Mm -hmm. It is an amazing picture. And he places them on the refractored corpse of Tiamat. You know? The, the 
embodiment of chaos assumed by order. Mm-hmm. And that's their creation myth. That's how they came to be. So when you look at it, they are the blood of the deceiver living out on the the husk of chaos. The, the sleeping husk of chaos. Yes. Yeah. And so that is their world. And it's really kind of a, a brilliant conceptualization. Right. And it's also, I think, like, the thing that's cool about this is basically, like, you have to you have to ask yourself a couple questions here. It's like, you know, not only is this a story about the creation of the world, but it's also a story of, like, what this group of people thought it would take to create something. Right. And so, like, here's the thing. You're trying to make something new and bring it forth. Well, you don't know what it is, and it's something like chaos, right? It's from the void. Exactly. It's not exactly understood. And so, how are you going to do that? You know, how are you going to bring something that you don't understand into something that you do? Well, a really great way to do that is, like, you could really pay attention to what it is, and you could speak to it and to others around you exactly what it is you're seeing. And that would be something akin to magic, right? Is like saying the proper thing at the proper time, right? And especially when when it's in the same mode as Marduk uses magic, which is not through waving his hands or some kind of Conf- you know you know magic potion or spell. It is through it, it, it's through an enchantment. It's through speech. Mm-hmm. It's, he uses the incantation. To call forth his abilities, right? right. And, and and that that's not irrelevant. No, and and so it's like, well, you can see the hunting myth here a little bit. Like, yes, how do we go and take down the beast? Well, we're gonna need to know where it is and learn what it does, and we're gonna need to know when it's weak. And then when that happens, we're gonna have to tell each other to go out and get the thing. And then if we do that, if we properly apply our nets at the right time and we capture the the wild beast and use our speech to coordinate, right? We can create a we can create life and protection and hope for our village and food, right? And so it's like this, it, it, it applies to a lot of things that you can see in this early place. Like right. we're going to a new, we're going to a new ground, you know? And so it's like, well, what's the proper way to deal with the things that we don't understand? Well, it's the same way Marta created the world. To pay attention, to look circumspectly and to speak and not just to speak any speech, but to speak that which causes change i would call it truth yeah um it's awesome yeah so let's let's jump over to genesis now oh it's also important to say that that marduk formed humanity in roughly his image uh yeah which is with a lot of lot of eyes yeah which is why you have so many eyes which is why you're covered in eyes right that's why you have eyes all over your tongue you know how sometimes when you take your pants off at night, and you're like, "I don't remember that eye." That's why, because of Marduk. <laughs> Thanks, Marduk. Uh, you're just you're lousy with eyes. No, yeah. that's uh, some bloodborne horror crap. Sorry about that. Uh, all right. So anyhow, yeah. So those of you who are paying attention, though, might have realized that we've said a phrase that will also appear in the Bible that that God made humanity in His image. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So in the in the we talked a little bit about that last week, actually, a just in bit. a different context. Yeah. So. Uh, and it's it's interesting because we were made in the Mesopotamian myth in the uh, uh, Anumalish, we were made in the image of God out of the 
the blood of the deceiver. Mm-hmm. Out of the deceiver. Okay, so now let's go to Genesis. This is so mind-blowing and so awesome. Genesis 1-2. Do you know it by heart, Hunter? Uh, so in the beginning, I, God created the heavens and the earth, is Genesis 1-1. Yes. And the earth was formless, formless and, and, or it was void and without form. Yes. And the spirit of God hovered over, over the, the surface of, surface surface of, of the, the deep. Of the, uh, I think it translates waters are deep. Yes. Waters are deep, yeah. yeah. Hovers over the surface of the deep. Yep. You go back to the original language, Hebrew. It's mm-hmm. so bloody brilliant. That word for deep or waters is translated as tehom. That's the Hebrew word. The etymology of the word tehom, and, and look it up yourself if you don't believe me, it comes from the Mesopotamian Tiamat. Right. It's exactly where it comes from. Because mm-hmm. it means salt water and chaos and void. It means all of these things. Yep. It was the, the archetypal form of those ideas that existed before the foundation of the world as we know it. And so, then God proceeds to, in the next seven days, make the world out of the out of that chaos. Right. He, he causes the land to rise up out of it. He, he pulls the surface of the deep back away from the land. He creates a firmament between the, the water below and the water above. He fills it with flora, fauna, and eventually humanity. Yep. And, and, and also creates light. That was important. Um, Technically, yes, it gave it gave food to a lot of things. Yeah, so it's important. And so, at any rate, these. But there's there's so much like that that first little bit is so cool because it's it's there isn't a battle with chaos like there is in the Mesopotamian myth, right? But, but there is this idea that like God is looking at paying attention to the world He's making, and at the same time. One of the powers that he uses to pull it forth is he speaks. Yes, absolutely. He said, God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. Yes. So he, in the same way that Marduk was able to speak these incantations and have things happen, God was able to speak and affect change. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's an obvious similarity between the two stories. Not only that, but the word for what the, the the substrate of the nascent world was exactly the same. It wasn't just kind of similar. It was the same word right. in both stories. Suffice to say, it's not obvious to me that when we're talking about the biblical account in Genesis and the, the account from the Enumelesh, are there functional differences? Yes. One of the chief among them being that in the Bible we seem to be jumping in media ray right after... We don't, we don't know what's happening. Time that's been slain. Right? Well, yes, saying that there is a Tiamat that has been slain. But right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not obvious to me, though, given the similarities, that the stories are different stories. Just like there's different stories of the creation of humanity in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, it's not apparent to me that the Enumelesh and the accounts in Genesis are telling a different story. You've got to remember that... Genesis is one of the oldest written books we have. Not the oldest. It's exceptionally old. Right. What's significantly older is the Enumelish. And these people were passing down these traditions orally. If you believe that there was a group of people that were walking with God, we cannot get any closer to that group of people than the Enumelish. Mm-hmm. You know? And so to, to put that in context, when you see the similarities between Genesis and this ancient oral, orally transmitted story, that sounded like it was a disease, this ancient story, there's, it's not 
apparent on its face that they're different. And it's not apparent that Marduk and, and Yahweh are different either. It's not apparent. Uh, there are differences. I don't want. I want to be clear. There's yeah. Difference in the, in the stories, but there's also differences in the biblical accounts between Genesis one and Genesis two. Yeah. I mean, like one of the obvious differences is that the that there's a monotheistic and a polytheistic. Right. Uh, of right. course. To be clear, the polytheistic story that the Enumalish starts with transfers into a monotheistic story. Right. Mar- but when Marduk is successful, he becomes the chief god. Right, and it, and I think it's also like the society around that. Like Judaism is obviously a monotheistic society, whereas uh, you know Mes- the Mesopotamian Sumerian they were they were a polytheistic. So even though Marduk might be chief, there's also a bunch of other different gods that are hanging out in a- that party. Absolutely, yeah. But but I, I hear what you're saying. It's like you know if this was the story that we were telling ourselves when we were created. These guys might have been the closest to it, if that sort of makes sense. Absolutely. And, and here's the other thing. There's enough... Even if you don't necessarily buy that hook, line, and sinker, I know I have my doubts. There's enough similarities that to not pay attention to right. the similarities is foolhardy. Yeah. That's really what we need to take away. Yeah, there's agreed. Some, they're, in, they're in conversation, and we need to pay attention to that conversation. Agreed. I think... Uh, I think the other part that's interesting too is that like while God's creating everything like he makes the light and he goes well this is good and so it's like that's an interesting thing that you would say that God has to qualify his creation I mean he's God like who is he saying that to in some sense you know sure and so I think one of the parts that's interesting there is like well you can definitely make something and on its face value, you'll know if it's good or not, if you actually care. That's right. And you know, you'll know if you are happy with what you did, or if you're unhappy with what you did. And the qualities about that, if you're going to be happy, are one, did you really put effort and pay attention to what you were making? Like, did you actually really care about the thing you were putting together? And another idea is, did you do it from a form of expertise? And if you did both of those things, you're happy with what you have because you understand it to be good. Right. And so what that shows you is it's another connection to to this earlier story is that like not only is it important to speak, but it's very important to when you're in confronting chaos, but it's also very important to speak correctly. Yes. And, and God, so God is basically saying, yes, I spoke something changed and upon viewing the change, I know that I did it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's super there's clear. not really a better judge than God, it turns out. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it probably is. Man, that's a whole other episode. Yeah, um, yeah. So, at any rate, understand these two stories are in concert. Yeah. Let's go a little bit deeper into why I think that they're in concert. And that's okay. going to bring us into chapter two. Uh, so Genesis chapter 2 is kind of the... So, you know, everything gets created by the end of Genesis chapter 1. God rests on the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2 comes around, and we're retelling the same events, but from a more granular perspective, one might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think that this is a different telling. I think that is totally possible. I also think that, you know, it was originally a poem. The idea that we're supposed to take it... A, perfectly literally like a fundamentalist might I submit that that could be true and I also have my doubts that that's true I think it it's an incredibly complicated question to answer it's um, difficult 
So I, I think I think the way I think about it is like I think Genesis one almost reads like, um, like the story itself, and then Genesis two is like filling in some details. Right. Like like uh, like like Genesis one is telling about World War two, and then or and Genesis one is like here's what happened during World War two, and then. Genesis 2 is like, here's what happened at the Battle of the Bulge. In right. a certain way. You in know a certain way, yeah. We, we're going to dive in just a little bit deeper on some of this detail. Right, and, and tell some more personal stories. Alright, so it, so remember from the Enumalish, and it also says it from the Bible, that humanity, God made humanity in his image. Mm-hmm. So, he makes the animals, he makes the plants, he makes all of that kind of stuff. And then he God, By speaking. By speaking. And then God does something very different. And very relevant. He takes the dust of the ground, and which is the body of uh, the body of Tiamat. Both in the Bible, you might not think it's it is the uh, body if you're just reading the Bible, but it is Tiamat in both stories. It is that which the world was formed out of. He takes a handful of the dust of the ground and he forms it into humanity. He forms it into Adam, the first man. Um, and then he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam is animate, right? Right. So, in in the Enumalish, we're formed out of the blood of the deceiver. In the uh, Bible, we're formed out of the the husk of Tiamat, uh, no matter which way you slice it. So... It's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if I I don't know if I follow that exactly because well, because the surface of the earth was Tiamat in both stories. Correct, was, but, but the ground ta- the ground was pulled away by God. It was actually lifted up. It says. Yeah, exactly. It, so and separated from the waters. So so the, is it created or is it? It says he's, he hovered over the surface of the void of the waters and, and yep. right or the deep. Yep, and it calls that entire thing. In my opinion, it calls that entire thing Tehom. Um, hmm. At, at any rate, yeah, it, it's definitely in conversation. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, maybe, 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 maybe. That's what I'm going with at this point. Fair enough. Yep. It's different in both stories. Yeah. But we have to take a look at what humanity looked like at that point. My, my, in personal interpretation of. Genesis 2, and it's not personal because it's what I want to believe, it's personal because I studied a lot. Humanity, when we were formed from the dust, is not the humanity that we see now. Correct. In that, Excuse we, me, correct. We, we underwent a... Of, we underwent a process of creation that basically runs the gambit of Genesis 2 until we experience the fall. Right. Um, and I have some reasons to believe that, and we will get into them now. So, huh. God forms us, then he cuts out, he instantly performs the first surgery. Just one thing that's kind of cool, actually, is the Hebrew word for, like, wind and spirit is the same word. Right. Which so, is what God does. So, when God, like, breathes into your nostrils, he he is both actually performing the act of breathing, but also giving you his spirit. And, and, and Which is just, pretty cool. Let's just be clear. That's the bedrock that Western civilization sits upon. Yes. That, that, that the individual contains an element of the divine. Yes. It comes directly from the second chapter of the Bible. Yes. Um, and even if you don't believe it in those mi- mystical terms, you necessarily believe it uh, if you 
are any kind of fan of Western Western society. Uh-huh. And so, and, and I think it's important to understand where those ideas came from. It's also important to understand that those ideas were around far before Western society was around. Yes, they, they're to pretend, bedrocks to other civilizations. To pretend like all of this started during the Enlightenment is a mistake. It is. Uh, it's a very dangerous mistake. So, at any rate, so God forms woman out of the rib of Adam, Eve, mm-hmm. and they're sitting around the garden, presumably, like, just, like, eating fruit, riding giraffes, and reproducing, I guess. I right. mean, like, I don't know. It seems like it, a decent life, Hunter. It's not clear, but Have it's... Have you ever gotten up in the morning, ridden a giraffe... Yes. Had a little sex. Sounding normal to me so far. Eating some pomegranate. Yeah. Had a little bit more sex. Yeah, of course. Rode a lion. Yeah. Had more sex and then gone to sleep. Like, it seems like a pretty decent life. That seems like every Friday to me. I'm not sure what the big deal is. You here. are so lavish. I am very lavish. I can't wait to get back to your safari reserve. Yeah, and um, also that lion bites. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. Not the same lion. Not right? the same lion. Uh, man, but it's such a beautiful picture. The lion will lay down with the lamb. Like, yeah, like, like we said yesterday, we're returning. Or, or last week. Uh-huh. Our objective is to return to that state. Yeah. It's to get back in the garden. Right. Okay, so anyhow... Uh, God, what does he do? He sits around and he's like, you need a job. And we're like, we're not doing anything that important. So we get off the lion and we clean ourselves off and we go to hang out with God and he teaches us something very crucial. He says, do you see all of the animals? Yes, we see them. Name them. You can't underestimate how important that is. You know, if you're looking in a box of, let's say, screws and nails and tacks, mm-hmm. and you don't know the difference, you don't know the word behind for any of those elements, what are you looking at? How would you tell someone you're looking at it? Like, what you're looking at? You're like, I'm looking at a, a drawer full of metal bits... Right. And some of them are, they're all pointy, and some of them are pointed differently. It's like some of them are short and some of them are long. You're not able to distinguish and translate to another human being what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Giving something a name allows you to handle it directly in your speech and in your world. You, You... Take a scalpel and carve that object out from its background and extract it into a usable tool. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, And also, it's important to note that when humans see objects, we don't see their shape. We see their function intrinsically. Uh This is why when I said earlier that, that the patterns that you see in your eyes are replicated in your motor cortex. You can see a cup out of the corner of your eye and make estimates about its circumference and your hand naturally without a, a, a let's call it a non-autonomous function of your brain can form itself to fit the shape of that cup so you can lift it. Yep. Um, yeah, it depends on it depends on your goal, and objects can change their shape too. Like if your goal is to get from here to there, and there's a chair in the way, it's not a chair. Right, it's an obstacle. Right. Yeah. And so it's interesting too that you, like the focus that you have changes the way everything is, and like being able to describe those objects is 
a crucial part of being human. Right, because then I can go, Hunter, can you move that chair? Right. Instead of that thing, it's in my way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It allows you to carve it out from its background. Yep. And so God teaches us effectively how to speak. Uh-huh. And not just how to how to make verbal utterances, but how to speak in such a way that we start to master our environment. Yes. So in such a way that we start to be able to elucidate reality and translate it. And the coolest part about this too, I think, and this gets, I'm a little nerdy. Uh, I don't know if it's shown yet, but like one of the coolest parts about this is like how, how absolutely and utterly complex this has now become in the industrial age. Yes. Like we can be like, like not only can we say doorknob and not only can we say the brass doorknob and not only can we say the brass doorknob that's that's a circular we can give you like the exact model number of the company that makes the doorknob and it's like we're so good at like getting the exact perfect thing we want that the doorknob that we want is not the brass doorknob that's circular it's M452067C and it's like, what? You're, and why are we even talking about it anymore? It's like, it's it's a, it's an amazing human capability. Here, here, I'm going to get a little bit philosophical, maybe a little bit heady, but everyone take a hit and come with me. Okay. God didn't just teach us how to speak or even how to speak in such a way that it changes reality. He taught us how to create. He taught us how to be like him. Right. Because... W- an object isn't an object if you can't distinguish it from its background. Mm-hmm. But once you have the ability to distinguish it from its background, it pops into existence in a way that it wasn't there before. There's a good way to do that. You're surrounded by a lot of objects that you don't understand what they are. And they're angry and tense and sweating and perhaps even look terrifying in some aspect. And now you can look at them and go, that is lion." Right. That's bare. You can incorporate that into your own model for how you see the universe and how you simplify it. Right. And then start to ignore it. It's the same reason. Or start to use it. It's the same idea like when we used to think Thor was throwing lightning bolts down onto the earth. It's like, oh my God, the gods are angry. Now that we actually have the scientific way to explain how lightning happens, which is friction between clouds during a thunderstorm they've almost lost all of their uh, terror in a way and we've like we've we've explained the the uh, phenomenon out of them and that's one thing that's really good and powerful because now we can go oh lightning we understand what that is it, this is how it works but one thing that's still very interesting is like even though that you can do that if lightning happens close to you you'll terrify the absolute crap out of you you know thunder right. will freak you out you know and it will still mess you up but sometimes there's this, just this strange almost I think human arrogance given this knowledge in a sense that is like once we can once we have the ability to explain we have mastered and that's not exactly that, that's true. not always true but yeah. it, okay and here's another piece while we're going off that analogy yeah what if a guy one guy knew exactly what lightning was and how it came from you know different air currents rising and falling and the friction that existed between them but he never could tell anyone wouldn't be useful it wouldn't it wouldn't be anything right it, it, it his ability to translate that information and share that information is what makes lightning as we know it now exist right otherwise it is still you know rama's angry miscarriages being pelted upon us you know what i'm saying yes okay so 
he, God taught us how to how to take this is the most important part uh-huh. he told us how to take chaos and derive from it order yep. he told us look at the hover yourself over the surface surface of the void yep. hover yourself over the the background noise and tiamat and create mm-hmm. from that background noise it's a beautiful picture it is he taught us how to behave like him okay and then what happens next the fall the fall and we're at 44 minutes. Do we keep going? Uh, I This is actually the part I have the most to say. So I think we can keep going, but there's definitely another episode. Of okay, this. Well, let's keep going a, a little bit. Let's get okay. Let's get to the end of what I would call the creation of humanity, and then we'll talk about the fall next next time. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I'll follow you there. Okay. So remember, Marduk had two really exceptional abilities: sight and speech. So we, we discussed speech, and God lovingly came down and taught us how to be like him. Mm-hmm. Then a snake came along. Now that we could talk, now that we could understand and transmit information, guess who else could? The deceiver. Yes. Satan. Lucifer. Now, is it necessarily the same character in the Bible? Not necessarily, but a very similar character. Uh, he has some of the same nicknames, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up to us and he says, why don't you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Go back a little bit. God gave Adam and Eve one commandment. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and um, the, the, you know, the Satan character, the serpent, comes up and says, why... Do you, well, you know, why not? Why don't you eat from that tree? And they go, well, God commanded us not to. And he says the single most important phrase in the entire Bible, save for the passages discussing Christ and his, Christ and his crucifixion. He says, let, let me put it a little differently. He says the single most important phrase in that is required for understanding the human condition in the entire Bible. That I'll, I'll get behind. He says, that's not necessary. You can eat of the tree. God doesn't want you to because he knows that when you do, you will have the understanding of God. And he's keeping it from you. And that's why he told you not to eat. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes to Eve first because women are impressionable. And no, I'm just playing. Um, and he says, take a bite. And Eve does take a bite. And she takes the, the fruit, apple, pomegranate, a lot of people think, uh, back to Adam and says the same thing that, that the deceiver said effectively. Um, and she go, he takes a bite. Well, she even says, I've eaten and there's no big deal. Like, everything's fine. Which is not true. It's not true. She knew there was a big deal. Because what happens next? They looked at each other and they said, we're naked. Right. They hadn't the concept that their vulnerabilities were on display until that moment. And why not? Ask yourself that question. Why not? I'll tell you the answer. Because when you have no knowledge of evil... You don't know what hurts. 
you don't know what to do to injure somebody else. Right. If you don't know how to injure somebody else, you're unaware of your own vulnerability because mm-hmm. the, why would anybody be seeking out your vulnerabilities? You don't even have the concept for why anyone would want to do that. Yes. When you have the knowledge of good and evil, you know, now I, I look at myself and I see this, I see this, you know, uh, sensitive skin and I see uh, a part that's, that's like, readily available for disease. I see my unprotected abdomen mm-hmm. that I don't cover like the beasts that crawl on four legs. Right. I, I see my my neck and that through it passes the air that gives me life and the blood that pumps to all of my organs. And I see that I am fragile. I see that I can be hurt. And once you realize that you're hurt, what, what some people would say when you realize your vulnerabilities when you become self-aware then you it's a very short step to i know what hurts me so now i also know what hurts you Mm -hmm. and it it couldn't be more true it it's not that they these people adam and eve were not self-actualized until that moment in the way that we think about humanity today yep we did not have self-awareness for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. when we did we said we're exposed. We're naked and we have to cover ourselves up. Yeah. This is why I think that God uh that God didn't finish creating us until that moment. Because that's when we became self-actualized. That's when we gained self-awareness. And here's Not, the, maybe the right way to say it is we didn't become what we were until that moment, but I don't think it was God's design or purpose for us to actually come to that state that's a really deep discussion and we can get into it next time i'm gonna say this god put the snake in the garden the snake didn't wind up there out of his own volition well that's not necessarily true that 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 i think is something let me god allowed for the snake to be in the garden at a minimum well there's two thoughts there one thought is that god is all powerful all seen all knowing therefore the snake is there because he wants it to be there sure or it's that even if you're God, you can't keep the snake out of the garden. It's one of those two thoughts. So if we're talking about Yahweh, mm-hmm. then we have to imagine him being all-powerful, like the Bible says that he is. Yes. So I I am talking about that version of God okay. for this story. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily... I, I don't know if it's necessarily God's design for... Well, it's something like... I think he knew this was going to happen and was and was silent for an awkward amount of time for a podcast. Was provident was providence and knew what was and knew a way out essentially if that sort of yeah, makes sense. Yeah. He saw but through I don't, to Christ what you're talking about. Yes, I don't think he necessarily saw this as like his perfect plan and his design for humanity if that sort of that's a super complicated question and one that i'm not sure i don't think it is i don't think it is though Uh, it is actually super complicated how how Um, how is it so it's it's a really long discussion okay okay i I don't i don't know how you get there but okay that that the snake was part of his plan you got no no i'm not saying that i'm saying that i don't know how you get that 
humanity falling was a part of his plan. Okay, because God's... But I, I think it depends on what you mean by plan in this instance. Well, you have to try and ascertain God's intentions. Right? No, I don't know what you mean. Then don't say no. You okay. have to try and understand what he's getting at. Was his plan to create paradise? Or was his plan to create humans that could withstand tragedy and worship him all the same? And, and it's a really complicated question because, you know, it says in the Bible that we were created for his glory and it's not apparent on its face what that means. And so you have to start asking yourself questions like, would God be glorified by a race of, you know, yes. a race of the, robots the lacking self-awareness? Well, the answer to that is obviously yes. And so, like, the thing... The I, answer to what? The answer to your, the question you just posed on is re robots. Oh. Robots that worship him, he'll obviously get glory from it. He created everything out of nothing. Sure. But but I think, like, I think the thing... I think you, ans I think you answered the distinction for me that I was about to raise is, like, what was God's purpose, necessarily? And, like, if his... I, I think his design for the way he intended the universe to exist is not where we're at. Otherwise, we wouldn't call it fallen. Now, his plan for humanity and the story and loving thing that he has put together for us, I think it's happening exactly the way it's supposed to. Those are the, my two different thoughts, and I think they both coexist. I, I agree that they can coexist. That yep. doesn't mean that they're not incredibly complicated. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think I think, I think, think misunderstood what you were saying before, but now I'm on board with uh, you. Here's, here's my way I would sum it up. I think the snake was there because God intended the snake to be there. I think he intended the snake to be there because the way that he could achieve maximum glory was not simply by, via a display of power. It was by allowing malevolence to taint his perfect creation, to allow his perfect creation to become self-aware so that it could choose him. And I don't know that I'm right, because who can understand the mind of God? But that seems to be where we've landed. I think I think it's something like. It, it, I think let it's, me let me say this too. Yeah, his power was not fully put on display during creation. No, his power was fully put on display on the cross, and you don't get to the cross without the fall. You don't get to the cross without the snake. Yep. And so, it it is complicated, but that that element of the story is what gave him the most glory, and so. The fall is a necessary ingredient if that is his purpose. You know, the, the answer is God's purpose is God's purpose. He is that which is not moved. He is yes, a exactly. which, good. So right. he could have done it in any different ways. But I, if his think, purpose was to get us to the cross, we had to go through the fall to get there. I think, I think it's, I think that, I actually think that the fall is more for us than it is for him. Absolutely. That, that's, that's what I think. Like, I think. Because we're not angels. Right, and so right? God looked at us and like, you're not perfect, and you don't realize it yet. I'm going to let you fall. I think that's how it went. And I think he was like, even when that happens, even when it all goes down and everything is hopeless, I will bring back hope. Yes. And that, I think, yes. I, and that, I'm, that, that, that is the kind of thing I'm saying. Like, I, I think I understand what you're saying now a little bit better. Sure. Which is like, but to say that like, the garden isn't the perfect ideal... Well then, why are we going back to a garden? Like, oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, well, here, here's a complicated question. Okay. Yep. Is the perfect person, and you have to ask the question necessarily. What do you mean by person? Mm -hmm. Is the perfect person 
a person that never faces hardship? Or is it a person that has been... Do you make the proper human being by allowing them to live in paradise without paying for it? Or do you make the perfect human being by allowing them to confront malevolence? JBP, JBP talks about this sometimes. Um, you know, one of his rules is don't bother kids while they're skateboarding from his new book. Mm -hmm. And he talks about... Yes, is skateboarding dangerous? Of course it is. But is the proper response to make the kid not ride the skateboard? Is the proper response to become the Oedipal mother right. or the Oedipal father that protects the children uh, to their own doom? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Clearly allowing a certain amount of hardships creates the kind of person that can bear the suffering of the world forthrightly. Yeah, and that doesn't answer the question for why suffering's in the world, but it does that, exactly. answer why you might put the snake in the garden to create the type of person that will bring you the glory that you're seeking if you are the Aristotelian well, good. That, that's that's kind of where you lose me just a little bit there at the end because like I'm all on board with you, but then I th I feel like you're ignoring this one part in your explanation, which is the fact that like... If the world is perfect, then there's no reason to face hardship. Sure. And I think here's the thing. Do you deserve a perfect world? You don't. Therefore, you had to fall and face hardship. Yeah. And that's what, and I think that's what happened is like God knew that we couldn't keep the one rule. And so he allowed hardship to enter our lives to make us into the proper thing that could live in the perfect world. And it's like, right. you know that, what I'm saying? That, that could des be deserving of the perfect world, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did for us. Yes, And exactly. he couldn't have done that thing for us, that being Christ and him crucified without the fall. Yeah, so it's like, you don't need necessarily to face hardship unless the world is broken. And it turns out... And JBP is right when he writes this rule in this context, is that, hey, the world is broken, therefore face hardship. And it, But I don't necessarily think that, like, I think we, I think sometimes we get a little confused on what God's perfect design is for humanity. Sure. If that, if that sort of makes sense. It, and then what is his perfect will for us now? And it's like, is that different? No, he sees through everything. But you get what I'm saying. Is like, I, I think... I think there's a perfect design that he has and then also a way that he's caring for us because we weren't we weren't we weren't the proper things that could live in that. I think you're saying the same thing I'm saying in a slightly different way. Like I just, like I of, said earlier. But, but I think I'm putting more emphasis on the fact of that there is a proper place for humans to exist. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, um and and in the future garden the deceiver won't be a part of it correct uh, yeah but here's what will be He'll a part be of it here's what will be a part of it that wasn't a part of it before self-aware humans yes exactly self-aware humans who had their eyes opened who had the knowledge of good and evil and were able to return anyhow yes that is only achievable via this method and the, 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 what your explanation doesn't answer either is why put suffering in the world in the first place again I can't say. That's a very complicated question. But what I do know no, 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 is I, that the only way that a self-actualized human winds up back in the garden is via this strategy. No, you have to put suffering in the world at the beginning. Because, like, the reason you have to put suffering in the world is because the thing living in the garden already has fallen. Well, That's the thing. And, like, uh, humanity... No, see, you, you're, you're just not going back a step far enough. No, no, no. Why make, why, if it's God, why make the thing fallen? It's not, it's not required that you do that. In theory. Yes, it's not. But it's also like... So, so that's the question I'm talking about. I agree with you on the other stuff. That's the question I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I think the answer to that is like... It's not 
necessarily contingent on your father to create the perfect thing, you know? Yeah, and, and there's no there's no reason to that we there's have no to re- assume that he did. Right. I agree with you entirely. He could have. He appears not to have. So why? That's the question. And and there's not a brilliant answer for it. I think the most brilliant acts answer that I come up with at this time is it's the only way that you get something self-aware that lives in the garden. I'm, I'm thinking that that's not necessarily necessary, but, and that, and that's, that's where I come back to the fact that like the design that's being carried out doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm, I'm feeling that I'm feeling that the thing that, we're su- I'm feeling that the perfect design for humanity has been turned its back on. And, and for some reason, what we were, whether it was just our temporary sight, like, and God knew that we couldn't see through that, like, caused that. And that's why we weren't worthy of the thing that we are. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. May, may, I feel like both of our explanations aren't coming up to the to where they need to be on this. I, which is why I think a, I'm having a real difficult time telling the difference between the two of our explanations. Well, um, I, I, I I see it pretty clearly. Like I think there's I think there's like a, a, an adherence to the fact that like the garden is the perfect state, and like that's what God intended. And then your your explanation says, well, that's not what God and what God really intended was for us to go through suffering. And uh, that no, would that would get self-actualized humans back into the garden. That would be, in my opinion, the only way. Because the only way that we become self-aware okay, but that's is the, to have the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, but your question was, what's the difference? I think that's the difference. But I'm I'm having a hard time. No, I, like, I'm not asking what the difference is. I, I think you might be misunderstanding me. No, subtly. no, no, Christopher, you literally just said I'm having a hard time understanding the difference between our two ideas. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the difference between self-aware and not self-aware. No, you're correct. What I'm saying is that Sorry? I'm skipping a couple steps because I understand what you're saying now. Okay. Um, what I'm saying is that I don't find it necessarily functional that the that God had to make either a flawed place or an imperfect place, and I don't find it necessarily untrue that He couldn't have included the snake and that have been part of His perfect plan. I think that. It's completely feasible that he put the serpent there to make us into the kind of people that could return to the garden with our eyes opened. That's what I'm saying, and, and so. Yes, I agree with that. But that, yeah. but that, but I'm yes, I, I I'm, I'm, ten thousand percent with you. I, I, I think, I think the part that we got disconnected on before was just the fact that, like, we were saying his perfect plan for, 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 for us. And I think the thing is, like, well, I'm not convinced that his perfect design plan involved involves humans falling, if that sort of makes I'm, sense. I am, uh, if I haven't been clear enough in stating it, I am saying that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I know either, but I, but I like, clearly the garden is his design for what we're supposed to live in. Right, and, uh, but maybe not in the state that we were at when he first put us there. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's more for us than for him. Oh, I totally agree. Okay. I totally, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we're saying the same thing in slightly different ways that was confusing. Okay, um, maybe so. Okay, so at any rate, here's let's finish up the, the theorem, the proof. Yeah. So he taught us how to speak and how to speak in such a way that we created, more or less. Mm-hmm. And then out, of, out from the deceiver, out from the serpent, he opened our eyes. 
He opened our eyes to our own vulnerabilities. He opened our eyes to good and evil. He opened our eyes to the vulnerability of others. In that moment, humanity was created as we understand it today, as we experience it today, with our own self-actualization, with our own knowledge of good and evil. It didn't happen till that moment, and it didn't happen without the deceiver. Just like Marduk made humanity out of the blood of the deceiver, out of the actions of the deceiver, we became humans as we know them. It's a brilliant picture. It is a really brilliant picture. And it's, it's brilliant for about a quadrillion different reasons. Not the least of which is that in, in both stories, our legacy and our forefather is malice. It's something that doesn't have your best interests in mind. So not only is the breath of God in us, not only is the image of God in us, but also the, the heart of evil is in us. And it's required that you understand that you have both. That you have a piece of the divine and the, the lineage of evil. This is also one of the places where like, the creation myth in the Bible actually does a better job of explaining what evil is. Yeah. Um, a lot better than that because it's the knowledge of both good and evil that actually makes humans evil. Sure. Yeah. That sort of because makes we sense. Because we, we, we didn't know how to do it and we didn't know that there was something that needed to be done. Right. And it's like... Or needed not to be done, but more correctly. Right. If you... You know, children are innocent in the sense that they might do something, but they don't necessarily know why. Right. And that's not true. Children can definitely do stuff and absolutely know why and know it's not fair. But like, you know... But like, they, they are born in the same lineage as us, right? But but you're... you're metaphor is well made that it's an analogy a, yeah and, it's just an analogy an innocent an innocent one might not have a concept that something's evil right and so when you don't necessarily know you're kind of just acting in this state that isn't exactly clearly defined mm -hmm. and it's like i think we both look at we all just kind of look on that state it's like something approximating goodness if that sort of makes sense but, like, once you know what something is good, well, then you know the opposite of that, or you know what is not good. You know, like, it's it's obvious. And so when you know what is evil, and you know how to hurt, and you know how to take, and you know how to wound and steal everything, that's the beginning of evil. Because it's like what you were saying earlier. It's like, once you know what you can do to someone, and that is the actual knowledge of the future if that sort of makes sense because yes. you can actually play out it's the in, knowledge of your own mortality and weakness right you can actually start to play out the game of like i can imagine future states of myself that i don't desire and i can imagine future states of myself that i do desire and i can imagine things in the future that you'll want me to do and i can imagine future things that i'll want you to do and things i don't want you to do and that like it's it's all encapsulated within itself okay so i, I totally agree i just want to leave everyone with these two main points and then we're going to come back maybe next week i i'm super busy next week might maybe on the weekend potentially yeah we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the what the actual fall looked like this is this is where it started in my opinion in genesis 2 this is where humanity as such was created as mm -hmm. we understand it today in that moment that we took we took the apple the fruit the pomegranate and ate things to remember out of out from the deceiver we became self-actualized our eyes were opened in both stories. 
be it Marduk and Kangu or Yahweh and the serpent. And the other the other thing to remember. Hold on, let me organize my thoughts. I'll cut this. The other thing to remember is that taking a bite of the fruit was not only the beginning of evil. It was also the beginning of good. You can't choose to do something good if you can't enunciate why its counterpart would be evil or potentially valueless. When, when you say the beginning of good, you mean the beginning of good that humanity Humanity could, could perform. Okay, thank you. We were no longer automatons. Okay. We had a choice to do good or we had a choice to do evil. And we had both inside us intrinsically. It's a brilliant brilliant story and if we applied more of that story to our lives today we would start taking responsibility and we would start living with the knowledge that we have the ability to make the world into paradise or make the world into hell and I don't mean paradise as in everything is going to be fine because there's malevolence abounds there's plenty for everyone but you can you can bear it and bear it for other people and make their lives closer to that desired end state and uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm going to say one final thing on kind of our disagreement because I think I'm kind of piecing it a little bit further together now that I've been able to sit and mull on it for a little bit. You are so focused on just finding one area where I'm wrong, Hunter. No, 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 I'm actually not. I'm, I'm actually not. I'm joking. I, I think I think maybe I can piece it together a little bit better now. Please do. Is like, here's the deal. God doesn't really give two craps whether you love him or don't. And he doesn't really give. He there's absolutely no reason for him to care if you actually know that you're if you should or if you shouldn't, or if you should in any way be kind, decent, or anything to each other. And he it, just to that sounds so offensive on its head. If we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. It's right. in the Bible. He doesn't need you. Yes, and so it's like when you think about God's perfect for design for humanity absolutely no reason for him to have any notion of you that you have any knowledge of anything beyond what he wants you to have and mm -hmm. so if he restricts knowledge from you that's his absolute right you yeah. know and so it's like the i think that is in some ways his perfect design god looked at what he had and even looked on a man in that initial state and said this is very good you know and then i think and so it's like that's God's looking at his creation and everything. But then it's like allowing us to go through that in some ways had to be encompassed in his plan, not his design, his idea. And it's like he knew if we were given the chance to succumb to our... To evil, to the to, knowledge of evil. I'll, I'll say it this way, our finite desires... Mm, that yeah. we would be, we would become something far more like him in the end of it. Yes. And so I think, yes. like, I think and, that's and, the piece between us that is like disconnected there a I little bit. I don't feel okay. See, this is why I'm just gonna go back and say what I already said. I don't feel like there's any disconnect there at all. No, um, no, no, no. I think the so the, the 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 there isn't any disconnect. You're right. I think the part that we weren't communicating clearly is both of those two points. If that's oh, okay, okay, sense. fair enough. That's I see what, what you're saying. And I think you were saying the the second one, and I was saying the former. And I think the thing is, we weren't saying them very well together. Yeah, my my only caveat there is that 
you're just saying his perfect design was perfection. I'm saying his perfect design might have had a detour detour through hell. And I think that I think that's I think that's based on how we're defining design. The, the word design. Exactly. A- absolutely. Exactly. Agree. Absolutely. Agree. Yes. Exactly. Um, okay. So, but yeah, but and you know what? I'll, I'll say this too. No, I'll just let this be the final thought. And if you've made it this far, thank you so much. I am truly flattered that anyone would listen to longest episode ever for, for 72 minutes. Yeah. But here here's the point. You said it. You said it so beautifully. Thank you. That we would end up looking like something that far more closely resembled him. That's not just a guess. That's exactly exactly what he calls us to be. Mm-hmm. He has called us to be the remnant of Christ. You know. Yes. And, and to die to the parts of our flesh that were created from the deceiver. To be crucified with Christ so that it's no longer I who lives but Christ that lives through me and the life that I now live through in the flesh I live for him it's to walk by faith and not by sight to pretend not pretend to actualize being in such a way that is that that is in the knowledge that you are not a body that you are a you are an element of the divine specifically called to look like Christ it's the perfect picture. Pretty awesome. That has been uh, what I can only consider one of the most engaging episodes of Carl Pulling I've ever been uh, <laughs> part of. Hunter, you said some things in that episode that are so so well said and so brilliant. You're pretty smart too, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyhow. No, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. That was a good time. It was long. If you made it this far, thanks. We kind of knew when we started this creation thing, we were going to have to bit off. We, we we bit off a little bit more than we could chew. And maybe this will be a long part. And maybe we should have broken it up. But hey, at least you get two weeks to listen to it. Maybe. Yeah, Joe Rogan goes for three hours and only talks about weed. Yeah, but he's smart. Joe he's Rogan. He's really smart about weed. <laughs> that'll be a whole nother episode. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, our website is carlpooling.com. You can go there to find links on the bottom footer to subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play. So please go and do that. When you do that, leave us a rating or a review on one of the respective sites. You have no idea how much that helps us, no matter how many times I say you have no idea. I promise you, you have no idea. You, you have follow, no idea. We don't even have an idea. You can follow Hunter at Emotional Carl. You can follow me at Chris X Carl. That's on Twitter and, and on Instagram. Instagram. You can follow the show at Carl Pooling on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Carl Pooling Podcast. Let me ask you this too. We've been getting some actually kind of hilarious but negative reviews on Facebook from angry leftists because they comment on our advertisements and then. Um, I summarily put them in their place with all the love and kindness you've come to expect from this show. Right. So if you're if you're not doing anything right now uh, other than falling asleep, if you could go and just leave us a positive recommendation on our Facebook page, that'd be a huge feather in our cap. If you have any questions about this uh, show or any of our shows previous or anything in general, I, I'd really be interested to know everyone's thoughts on this specific discussion. Uh, CarlPulling at gmail.com leave us an email there and until sometime next week when I get through what can only be considered my personal uh, stent uh, my personal stent in shield yeah. this week uh, get the heck out of the backseat call me everybody Christopher it was an awesome episode you're a great dude thanks everybody bye